Support for Podcast by Night comes from Midnight Syndicate. To find out more about their gothic horror instrumental music, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Hey everybody, John here. I just wanted to let everyone know that this is going to be our first two-part podcast as this one uncovered a whole bunch of really great and juicy details that uh, we just didn't want to cut out. So in case you think that it just cuts off at the end, don't worry. Part two will be coming up next week. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast by Night. This is John Long. I'm Jennifer Wolf. And tonight we have our special guest, Bruja expert, quote-unquote. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Corey Wilkerson, and I am not a Bruja expert. Oh, he's so <laughs> modest. He's so modest. Well, he's not an expert, but he does play a really darn good Bruja. I think this <laughs> Corey is sort of Bruja in real life, so... Absolutely, absolutely. He embodies the whole... The whole punk, you know, mentality. Even though he still works for the man, <laughs> he works from the inside. inside exactly. That's right. There you go. He's our man inside. All right. Well, as we, as you may have guessed, uh, we are discussing the wonderful and storied learned clan, uh, Clan Bruja, and the uh, they. What's that? Smart. Yes, they're very they're smart. smart. They they wicked smart. Wicked smart. Yes, Goodwill Hunting is actually a pretty good movie. We're gonna put that in at the end. Are we really? We could. We could. We could smat. <laughs> yes, we're going to be discussing the Clan Bruja. They are one of the founding clans of the Camarilla, one of the core group, and we're uh, really going to dive into this. But first, I wanted to kind of put out there a big bad thank you to our Patreon supporters. That's right. We have Woo-hoo. over 1,500 downloads, which is pretty big considering Jen and I did not expect such a big um, you know, influx of support. So thank you all so much for that. Thank you, everybody who listens to our little, our little rinky-dink podcast. We love you. That's right, because this is all done for you guys with, with love reaching across the interwebs. Because we love this game, and we want to make sure that you guys... Have all the uh, the info you can stick in your ears to so you can learn how to play this game to the best of your ability. And to help support that, if you guys are interested, go check out our Patreon page and uh, become a supporter of a podcast by night. That's right. It, the link is in the show notes, and it is also on our Podbean website. And also, I wanted to give a special shout out to. The guys over at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Nate and Bob, Yay! you guys are awesome. Thanks for mentioning us. Yes, we got we actually got a mention on their show. You can expect mad tweets from us sometime during this week. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, you've got the contact us uh, on your website. It's all good. All right. <laughs> oh, and also we're on iTunes as well. So uh, any iTunes reviews go a long, long way to getting us up, up, up on that uh the, the features page, because we're kind of buried down there, but we are on there, I promise. 
Yes, we are on iTunes. Uh, the unfortunately with iTunes, really anything less than five stars means nobody pays attention to you. Yeah, go check us out if you if you use iTunes. If that's the, your medium by which you listen to us, go on there, give us a give us a rate and review, and uh, see if you can uh, get the word out there about podcast by night. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, Jen, let's let's get into this thing. All right. So Clam Bruja, they are. The philosophers, the warriors, the idealists, the anarchs, sometimes they're kings, sometimes they're even deities. The Bruja have literally been it all. And this is a clan of people who revel in what they're passionate about, and they're so passionate about it, they will defend it to the death. They have never been ones to conform. They choose to be critical thinkers and rebels and individuals who have their own mind fitting in and obeying is not really the option for members of clan bruja and that's kind of been the defining trait of the bruja they are the people who like to rebel against something whatever that something is but in these modern nights unfortunately the clan has kind of fallen on some hard times people tend to think of them as little more than thugs the rabble the punks who like to stand on your lawn and play really loud music at all hours of the of the night you know these, get off my lawn get off get off my lawn you damn kids yeah sure there are bruja who are exactly that way but bruja have a strong and proud and intellectual history that's all their own so in this episode we want to explore a little bit more about the complex and charismatic clan that is the Bruja. Right. Yes. As I said, mentioned before, they are one of the founding members of the of the Camarilla, uh, which is you know ironic because considering how rebellious they are, why would they think you know hey let's let's all join together and join this group? Uh, this makes a lot more sense though if you think about the history of the clan of the Bruja and its ancient roots. The lore of the clan states that. They once all lived among mortal society, ruling as kings and, like Jen said, sometimes gods. But they were always thinking, philosophizing, sitting there contemplating their navels. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and as like the Toreador, the Bruja are also one of those clans that are really close to humans. Their passions sort of cause them to almost love humanity and, and the way that they think. So I can just imagine in ancient Greece, you know, you've got some bruja sitting there with Aristotle or, you know, Socrates and being like, hey, so, you know, I was alive 100 years ago. Let's talk about that. It's just it's just incredible to think about back in the day, these guys were all about philosophy and culture. And any time that there has been a claim of a, a great burst in learning you can bet that a Bruja will say, yeah, we were there. I can see the Bruja hanging out with Socrates because, you know, the dude did, like, stir up the youth to such a point that the elders of Athens are like, okay, you either have to drink the hemlock or, you know, renege all you, of what you had to say. And you know a Bruja was like, no, dude, drink the hemlock. I got your back, man. Ha ha, psych. Oh yeah, you know, I, could, I could definitely see that. It's it's that shadow history that the world of darkness is filled with. The Bruja do claim that they are uh, they were in ancient Greece. They they were a clan of 
vampires who were looking for that ideal balance between themselves as vampires and humans within themselves in terms of the mind, the body, and their beast. I mean, this was their, this was what kind of was their, um, I guess in modern, modern parlance, we would say it was their nerd. This is what they were <laughs> hyper-focused on. Right. And this is where, yeah, and they were heavily involved in those societies and cultures where they were already critically thinking and asking those questions. So places like ancient Greece were like hotbeds of clam bruja because this is where a lot of these questions are being asked and they are drawn to that and their influence on mortal society is part of, at least they claim, is part of how we got these thinkers such as Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. Right. But as you know, with all good things, it must come to an end. The, uh, those, those dastardly Ventru, the pesky, those Ventru. pesky Ventru, the, uh, conflicts the, arose the, with them the, and they drove the Bruja leaders out of Greece. I guess they had a feeling that they're, those what's that Corey? Those conflicts like that, that started that far back. Like you're going to see it mirrored throughout all of Bruja's history. Yes, and it started back then. It started. It started in Greece, right? It started with 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 the Ventru and the Bruja having conflict. The the Bruja seeking a more idealistic society, and the Ventru attempting to seize control, um, and the Bruja not agreeing with the way that the Ventru were trying to control Greece, and so the conflict begins, right? Yes, and. Um, and that and and you see that mirrored like it it happens, you know, in in any even, despite like how the bruja are the, what the stereotypes are of the bruja. We'll get into that more later. The conflict with the venture is probably the truest part of the story um, that kind of continues throughout the throughout all of the history, um, and it starts with with them leaving Greece. And creating the greatest utopian society that, that was unmatched by by uh, by any other society at the time, um, at least according to the to the Bruja historians. At least according themselves. to them, right, right. right. But it, it, was, it was their utopian society. Carthage was their, you know, Carthage on the on the on the, the northern coast of Africa. They the the Bruja flee Greece and they and they go they sail to Carthage, and they establish their own society there. Where their their ideals can flourish and grow, and it was like it was their their Renaissance time, their period where they where they had the most significant growth intellectually, philosophically, and then you know obviously like all good things come to an end, um, and the fall of Carthage is something that that still to this day rubs some particularly older Bruja or Bruja that, that have heard those stories that have been passed down from their sires and from their sire sires. Um, the stories of Carthage have, have, have kind of still, you'll still see a, you know, a well-read player will kind of tie into that Carthage history and you'll hear little snarky comments coming from even the most rabbly of Bruja. Remember Carthage. Right. Remember Carthage. It's great. It's great. It's great when you see, a player deep in an argument with a with a with a Bruja player deep in an argument with a Venture player, and then inevitably someone mentions Carthage in that conversation. Like that's how deep it goes. That's how far back it goes. And it's just it's one of the kind of the more fun aspects of of the story. 
that that seems to to be held on to, even if it's yeah, like you said, just a snarky comment like "Remember Carthage." And just to kind of jump in, because um, in real life, in Jen's everyday normal life, um, <laughs> Carthage is a huge it's a huge huge thing for me. It's where what I'm doing my PhD work on. So um, so it's kind of fun to kind of see how White Wolf takes this. Because Carthage, it, 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 you're right. Carthage is like the 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 great golden utopia, the lost city for the Bruja, and they are still bitter about it. And it's been like twenty three hundred years at this point, two thousand three hundred years ago. Carthage, you know, it was at its height. The Bruja had a society there that they felt was the perfect utopia between vampires and humans and it was this great society but like you said Corey in comes that running theme that that running conflict between the Bruja and the Ventru because the Ventru have control of Rome and Rome and Carthage for those of you who are not Roman history nerds like I am (laughs) Carthage were in conflict with one another and it wasn't just, you know, Rome and their interest against Carthage and their interest. It was the Ventru against the Bruja. And they had a series of wars. And in the and eventually this culminates in the Third Punic War, which is when Rome led, you know, pushed forward by the Ventru, comes marching into North Africa. They defeat the Carthaginians. They sack the city, they burn it, and they salt the earth so that the 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 Canaanites who are there can't co- can't come out of the earth. Anyone who hid in the soil to escape the fires and the flames and the sunlight, now you're stuck. Because guess what? They salted the earth. They completely decimate Carthage, and what's worse, Rome then colonizes Carthage. So now Carthage becomes Roman, and it becomes Ventru. So not only did the Bruja like lose their utopia, the Ventru just took it over. I mean, there is a reason they're still bitter about it, and they still bring it up in conversation <laughs> all these centuries later. It was nasty, it, and it wasn't just the Ventru. It was a. This was a a. Cons- Considered effort between Clan Asimite, Clan Malkavian, and the Ventru, because all three of those clans claim the Bruja were up to some shenanigans, some infernal shenanigans. They were hanging out with demons, or so they claim. Because if you have an enemy and you want to defeat them, the best blame way demons. The best way you can do it is blame demons. Blame demons. It's always the demons. It's always the demons. The oh my devil. Gosh has infused in this culture. We must rid them of their demon taint. We must rid them of of the the sin of Satan. So, yeah, they they claimed it was demons. And so they went in and just cleaned house. So what you're saying is that times haven't changed. The devil still made me do it. The devil still made me do it. If you are going to play a Bruja today, this is a part of the history that you need to just note because at some point you're going to have the opportunity you're going to be deep in a conflict with another with a with a venture or with an asimite or with a malkavian and you're going to have the opportunity to drop a little remember carthage note in there a little mic drop um and uh and it, it, it's always a lot of fun for those that are going to mm-hmm. dork out on this game it's it's always a lot of fun to kind of 
have those little bits of the history in in the game. So if you're going to get down and play on some uh, play on some some Bruja, which I would urge everyone to try at some point, um, remember Carthage. Excellent point. All right. Well, despite this downfall, which was apparently pretty epic. To the best of their efforts, the Bruja remained a clan of respect among the kindred seen as the philosopher kings. Because, you know, still clinging to those ideals that they had in Greece, they were still avowed in the pursuit of physical and mental perfection. And uh, what was it the Greeks called it? Entelechy? Entelechy, Entelechy. yes. It's that perfect balance between the mind and the body. (laughs) And, well, for humans, we say our spirit. For vampires, it's much more your beast. So it's that trying to find that perfect balance. Because of it, the Bruja in ancient times were very, there's just some sort of rigidness because just like the Greek humans who were trying to find entelechy, you know, you have to have a sort of um, discipline to the, the mind and the body to be able to control the spirit. So entelechy was what the Bruja of the ancient days were trying to attain. And it's it's mirrored in their in their in-clan disciplines. You know, yes, you have, is. you know, you have potence, um, which is, you know, your physical, your physical prowess, your physical being, and you have presence, which is your, your societal connection. Yes. Um, your, your, how you, how you interact with, with other people. And that is the balance that, that the Bruja use to control their beast, use their beast. With their, pre- you know, like you said, their connection to presence, their, their ability to sway the, the, the minds, the hearts and minds, the, the Ruha were right. still heavily involved in politics, both with the kindred and the humans. And this came into, this put them in direct conflict with the Ventru again. Again. That never stops. <laughs> that has never stopped. That's right. Running, running theme. Remember Carthage. Right. And it, exactly. And it's, I don't know, I, I, I think that the, that the combination of disciplines that the Bruja have um, is really kind of a perfect combination when you when you study their history and when you look at it, it really does um, it really does play into that story really well. Um, and yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the when you look at the th- the th- you know the celerity and the and the and the the potence and the presence, you really can see their history that's embedded in that. Yeah, so and and the conflict with the venture whose disciplines. Are the perfect foil to the Bruja ones. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, but both yeah. of them having presence, both of the and then and then competing to dominate with with the uh, with the potents. Yeah. So uh, the Bruja, they they were the philosophical challengers. They were the questioners. They were the ones being critical of the status quo as represented by Claim Venture, and. This this becomes a balancing act between the two clans, but it also hits that pinpoint of crisis, particularly during the Anarch revolts, because the Bruja, especially the Youngbloods, they they the very young Bruja threw themselves into this chaos uh, because they saw it as a challenge to the status quo of the elders, particularly the Ventru. I mean, the Ventrus are the ones in power. So the Anarch Revolts was, in, in particular, in their mind, was that pushback against the power held by these elders represented by the Ventru. And because of that, many of those Bruja from that time period, from the Anarch Revolts, 
they never come back from that. They either choose to stay as Anarchs, even at the formation of the Camarilla, or they end up joining the Sabbat. And this, that, that aspect, at least for us, we, you know, the game that we play in is, is, is we play in Los Angeles. The game is based in Los Angeles. And a lot of the, the storylines that we play around with is that history of Los Angeles. Um, and obviously the, the Anarch Free Stakes and the Anarch Revolts um, in Los Angeles plays a key role in that history. Um, and so you, you know, if you have the opportunity, like I, I got a chance to play Garcia um, one of the, the leaders of the Anarch Free States, one of the founders of the Anarch Free States. And it's a lot of fun to, to play that kind of philosophical side of the Anarch Revolts um, and, and kind of dig into that. Because it really is a lot more philosophical than it is than it is brute force, the thugs. It's, 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 it, it is a, a much deeper philosophical uh, storyline. Yeah, and I, and I find both the original Anarch Revolts of the Middle Ages and the second Anarch revolts that happened here in Los Angeles, right. you you really get a sense of that the kernel of there is a philosophical challenge going on here that Clan Bruja just they can't help themselves. They right. are that they represent. And yes, are there thugs and people who just want to see the world burn? Yes. But there is a philosophical question they are asking. And it's a direct challenge to the status quo as represented by first clan venture, but in modern nights by the Camarilla. So. But in saying that with the Camarilla, while the young ones, the young bloods, as you say, those, those hot-blooded fledglings... That were sort of like, you know, well, screw you, elders. I, I'm going to do what I want to do in Elizabethan, of course, because it's elder days. Uh, for the older <laughs> for the older and more practical-minded Bruja, the Camarilla, for all its faults, was still preferable to the chaos of the Anarch movement. Because, it, like you said, it goes back to that philosophical bent of this is going to give us a framework within which we could possibly still have our ideal world. Well, so are you saying it's better to fight from within the system <laughs> than to fight directly against the system? Getting a little close to I, home, Corey? <laughs> 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 but yes, no, in, in a sense, yes. It's it's the idea that that they that especially among the elders of the of the clan and some of the more philosophically minded uh, you know, Ancilla neonates, they they probably have that mentality. They probably are like, you know, it's it's better to use the systems against you know the old fuddy duddies the the stasis that the Camarilla has garnered over these centuries to try to change things than it is to try to just burn it down because you know once once the house fire starts going careful because the next one's going to catch too right and for by being on the inside the the Bruja who choose to stay in the Camarilla feel like they are the counterbalance to the venture. Absolutely. Well, they are. I mean, that is the that is the role they have chosen because the venture are their their millennial arch enemies. <laughs> the, I mean, they have a philosophical conflict with the venture. So by being in the Camarilla, they are that check, that balance right. to absolute venture power because if you're an anarch and you're on the outside and you're screaming yeah 
down with the man, down with the empire, fuck those guys. Well, you know, that's all well and good, but that doesn't do anything nearly as effectively as being the one on the in the room where it's happening and saying, hey, by the way, I have a, a disagreement and I'm going to check you on that. Absolutely. In, yeah. in prepping for this podcast, reading about this, this sort of rivalry between the Bruja and the Ventru, it really opened my eyes to the idea that out of everybody, these two clans seem to be the ones vying for control, whereas the Ventru want things status quo. This is the way it's always been done. Tradition. And the Bruja, even in the Camarilla, are far more, well, not far more progressive because everybody's different. The philosophy of it is that they have the idea to question. Ventru don't really question. The Bruja are all like, no. hey, let's sit down and let's talk about this. Yeah, it's it's a lot like, I mean, not to kind of flip from the Camarilla to the Sabbat, but, you know, the, in the Sabbat, in the Sabbat, they have the three theologies, the the idealists, the conservative, or the ultra conservatives, and the and the status quo, and in that that same type of layout, the 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 conflict between between the Ventru and the Bruja is mirrored, where the Bruja have always functionally served as the idealists, so they're not just the counterpoint to the Ventru; they're the counterpoint to anybody that's trying to maintain the status quo and take that that ultra conservative. So, what, like it, you know, they they're the they're the they're the counterbalance to the Tremere. They're the counterbalance to to anyone that's trying to to the certain, Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, the the, the Bruja and Tribute are doing the same thing in the Sabbat that they're doing in the Camarilla. They're just fighting against a different, a different clan with that's, that ha, that's, that's, a, you know, asserting control. Um, so the, yeah, the Bruja it, at their heart, it, it really doesn't matter what the status quo is. I mean, you could be conservative, right. liberal, or somewhere in the middle, but if you're the, right. it's much more about, the people who are in, in power. It's much more right. about power because if you want to think of power in terms of concentric circles, it's a, it, this, I, I, this is not my idea. I ripped this off of one of my professors. Uh, but ah. if you want to think of power in terms of progressive circles, if those in the very middle circle would be the status quo, whoever those are, the Bruja are always the ones on the outer circle. Who are trying? Who are speaking back towards the people in the middle, and who and the people in the middle are always changing. There's always going to be a new group who move into that center circle of power. The right. Bruhar are always going to be the ones on the outside. Right. And I think that that's kind of their their curse is that anytime they they think that they figured it out. And they establish a society that is their ideal society. It never, it never lasts. No, it never does. It never lasts. It's like it's like they're just, they're just cursed to struggle, um, pushing the Camarilla, pushing the Anarchs, pushing the Sabbat. You know, they're they're pushing them outside of their comfort zone. You yes. know, and and it doesn't matter. Um, I, I talk a lot about this in the work that I do, um, but you need someone that is so far out there that's pushing aggressively to make the rest of the, you know, make everybody else seem uh, seem reasonable and rational. Yeah. And so sometimes the, the, the Bruja end up, end up looking like the, the rebellious thugs, but that's how they're pushing their agenda is it makes uh, 
it makes the more rational bruja seem more reasonable and makes uh, others willing to to work with them. Yeah. So that that pushing, it, it this is and how to push and where to push and what and, and what fault lines to start poking at. This is what becomes a fundamental split in clan bruja because. And this kind of should have been expected, you know, about, you know, especially around the time of the Renaissance. This is when we're getting in to a, a flowering of humanities and enlightenment in Europe. But it's also the forming of the Camarilla. And so this starts creating a, a fundamental split um, amongst the Bruja. And, you know, there is this divide between those Bruja who see themselves, who saw themselves as being this learned clan of philosophers and thinkers and, and scholars. And then those who are rebelling against this new Camarilla and this new structure, this causes a lot of shifts. New and different voices start coming into clan Bruja and as human society is evolving and their philosophies are shifting um, the Bruja keep throwing themselves into all these new philosophies that keep coming up. So it's the Renaissance <laughs> humanism, it's the Enlightenment and the scientific movement. Then you get into the 19th century and you Communist. start getting, yeah, you, well, for, you know, you start getting into uh, Marxism and, li well, liberal democracy first, and then Marxism and Darwinism and collectivism and progressivism and any other ism. If it's an ism, the Bruja were like, hey, that looks An cool. Let's go. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. I know. <laughs> right, right. As long as that ism isn't the ism that's in power. Exactly. Correct. And so Correct. the Bruja start throwing themselves at all these new ideas and these thoughts. And you start seeing as many different kinds of Bruja as there is philosophical movements. And because of that, though, with each new movement, the Bruja tend to move further and further away from the roots as those core philosopher warriors. We scream, remember Carthage, but it, it becomes more of like a, a battle cry for, you know, rebel Correct. against the man as opposed to, no, remember the dream. Yeah, it's a, it's a fight the power. It's not a, it's not a, a utopian uh, memory. You know what I mean? It's, it's tear down the system, not, not remember the system we built. Right. Yeah, and because they have Carthage has become less about the ideal or less about the reality and much more about an ideal, like down down with the man, you know. The Bruja have had now in the twentieth century a couple of failed experiments at trying to recreate Carthage. Uh, in the early twentieth century, the Bruja were very involved in Russia. And in the fall of the Romanov dynasty and Tsarist Russia and in the building up of the Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union was primarily controlled by Bruja factions. And with this idea of there and this hope of recreating the utopian society like in Carthage, unfortunately for them, they didn't know that there was this really powerful Nosferatu like Methuselah hanging out there. And and she had a lot to say about the Bruja controlling anything in her territory. And she basically cut them off from the rest of the world. And it's only in recent years that the Bruja of the Soviet Union have been able to get out. Able to tell like how kindred society crumbled in the last 100 years there. It, it, yeah, so that was the first of the two major failed experiments of 
recreating that utopia in the tw- in modern times. The second effort that the Bruja put their energies behind was, in fact, here in Los Angeles, and that was the Anarch Free State. And that started in the 1940s. So up until that point, um, from about the late 19th century up until the 1940s, the city was controlled by the Toreador and Don Sebastian, who, you know, we're not going to get into the detail, the nitty gritty details, but long and the short is he made no friends of the rabble, the anarchs that were speaking out loudly against him. And in particular, he was an enemy of one particular Bruja named Jeremy McNeil and proceeded to beat the living snot out of Jeremy McNeil, which for anybody to beat the snot out of a Bruja, that's a feat in and of itself. But Jeremy McNeil gets the hell beaten out of him. And because of that, the anarchs band together and overthrow the Camarilla in Los Angeles and for 50, 60 years, they have a what they call the Anarch Free State. It was a series of baronies controlled by different vampires. Not all of them were Bruja. Quite a few of them were. And it was <laughs> supposed to be this, like, utopia where everybody was equal and everybody, every vampire could be here and just be themselves without having to kowtow to the restrictions and the status and the protocol of the Camarilla. And it only lasted a few decades before it fell apart because all the different factions within the Anarch Free State started fighting against each other. Because we may be, all be equal, but that doesn't mean we can't be separate. And so within within the within that struggle, within those those different Anarch baronies, it was like they started fighting over power, like they would like the Bruja would have were fighting against the Ventrue. The Anarchs started fighting against the Anarchs, and they started fighting for started you know, continuing the struggle for power and that, that idealist that was built into all of those, those Bruja from the, from the go were not able to, to shut that, that part of themselves off. So there's, they've created their perfect utopian system. And then they immediately start fighting against that system because that's the system of power that's currently in place. Exactly. It's like <laughs> they can't help themselves. They can't, they can't help themselves. You know, some of them, like Garcia that I played, you know, who who came up with the whole idea of the Anarch Free States, um, you know, at some point kind of loses where he's where he stands on that and uh, starts to recognize it for the failure that it is, and then is forced to um, to make a decision, which was to uh, to abandon the Anarchs and and join these uh, these incoming usurpers. Um, they came and took advantage of that. Right. It definitely seems like the poor Bruja are just, I mean, every now from now on, every time I, I think of the clan, I'm going to hear some kind of Irish dirge playing in the background <laughs> because right. it's it's like the idea of, of Intelliki also got lost with the dream of Carthage right. because right. it just seems like if they could master, because, you know, with the Kindred, you know, players always keep this in mind. The beast is always whispering to you. It it wants power, control, unto ultimate destruction. And so if you can't master that, if you don't have mind, body, and, and beast that you know, the Intelliki philosophy, then yeah, you're you're gonna start looking around and think, you know, now what? Like you said, Corey, we, we rally right. against the system. Now we're the system. And then how do we how, how do we how do we correct our brains around that? Right. And that you know, 
and the Bruja themselves are probably the the worst for that because the beast with them is so strong. They're always on that edge of succumbing to the beast. That 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 temper, the rage, the passion that they have, it's always just under the surface, and it can pop off at any moment. And they lack the ability to control it most of the time. And it's it's like that's and that's their clan flaw, right? That's mm-hmm. that is that is their 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 cross to bear is that is that they can't help themselves like if if someone's gonna if if someone needs to mouth off to that to that methuselah ventru it's gonna be a bruja that's gonna say something stupid yeah you know it's gonna say something that like you know they 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 don't have tact they can't they can't they can't help themselves you know and that's sometimes is the funnest part about getting to play one of these characters is that you know you'll see you'll see two players a a, a player playing a, a tordor and a player playing adventure and the tordor adventure having this deep conversation you know and the and the bruja will walk up and say you know you know say some dick and fart joke you know what i mean <laughs> something inappropriate you know and it and it just like they can't help themselves you know Right, and it's, yeah. and it's and it makes it fun. It's because of that, though, that also, like you alluded to, Corey, that the the usurpers, the the people that were going to take that dream away from them, that uh, unfortunately they fell victim to in the invasions of the Cathayans, the the Asian vampires, that uh, that would cause the collapse, or at least they would, you know, it would set things in motion. I think the collapse has already happened. It just solidified the collapse. Was this was a sudden new enemy that then you know some of the main leaders of the anarch free states kind of jumped ship and saw the writing on the wall saw that the anarch free states was falling apart and they they jumped and joined the Cathayans and and established the new province mandate that would uh, rule, rule los angeles for the next 20 something years i think in 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 white wolf canon they're still ruling los angeles right yeah, and White, and White Wolf Cannon, they're still um, in Los Angeles, but it's also a very gray area because, you know, there's been, there's just been a lot going on and with V5, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but yeah, exactly. um, but yeah it's, um, it, it, it just, you're right, the Anarch Free State was already rotten in the center before yeah. the Jin come in to the picture and they were already failing again it just kind of speaks to kind of the ideal and the reality embodied in clan bruja because the bruja always want the ideal right have a hard time holding on to the reality but this close to the red list yeah he's close to the red list yes almost on the red list but with that in mind you that that conflict between reality and ideal that kind of speaks to the split that you find in Clan Bruja in Modern Nights. Because yes. Clan Bruja is philosophically kind of more or less divided into two sides. And that are, those are the iconoclasts and the idealists. The iconoclasts are, you know, pretty much who most people think of when, they, when you say Clan Bruja. You know, they are the rebels, the thugs, they are you know, the brutish, the you working know, class, working class, wearing Doc Martens and carrying baseball bats. You know, that's that's this image that many have of the iconoclast. They tend to uh, they tend to be more on the neonate to fledgling side because often they're the young and angry Bruja, the ones who they know that they weren't they were down with the man. 
They want to tear down the system. Um, they haven't been forced to grow up yet. Yeah, they don't have. Yeah, they haven't been forced to grow up yet. They 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 don't have the wisdom of centuries behind them, and the knowledge of their clan and its traditions, or the other clans and their traditions, or the history, or anything. So they tend to be the young bruja. I can, and you don't find as many Ancilla and elders amongst the iconoclasts, and because of it, they just tend to be younger. Right. And then that, that brings us to the idealists. These guys, they tend to be the thinkers, the intellectuals, the, the theorists of the clan, the philosophers that have, that have held on to the, uh, you know, what, well, at least in their mind, what the idea, core beliefs of the Bruja are. And this group tends to be made up of the Ancilla and the elders who were braced many years ago. This is just sort of where they, where they land because their, their habits haven't really changed since... You know, I mean, elders are, what, over 300 years? Yeah. So, yeah, so they've been there. They've done that. They've got the wisdom of the years to, to back up what they're saying. And these are the guys that are, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to, to change the system from within. You, you young punks, you kind of settle down now while the iconoclasts are like, right. listen, old man. Right. You, you sell out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. That, that some of the, probably my favorite Bruja characters to play and if you're if you're gonna play one of these characters this is probably one of the funnest aspects of the of this clan to role play um is that transition point from the iconoclast to the idealist role playing that that transition is super super fun you can get into all kinds of like inner turmoil and angst and and you can you can see this character that you that maybe you start that you start your character off as a neonate you know a, a straight up 753 character and you and you role play the maturing of that character into different you know different positions or different titles or or different coteries and things like that you role play that that transition from the iconoclast neonate to you know the the Ancilla or elder uh, idealist, the, the 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 maturing of a bruja is probably one of the most fun things to to role play in a character. It gives you a very clear starting point and ending point, um, and then and then gives you your character a, a natural trajectory um, to role play. And it's and it really is a lot of fun. It's a it's a ton of fun to to play that that transition. So just a little shout out for that. And, and thanks for that because that's an insight. I think that it's useful for players because you don't have to stay static in one place. In fact, most Bruja uh-huh. don't because what the, the power that you're railing against now may be in power now, but in a hundred or 200 years, they may be passe or totally. they're, or you, your side may be the one in power. So right. it's always, it's always shifting and so the Bruja never stay in one place. And that's never not to say that a neonate can't be an idealist. A neonate can be an idealist. But what? you'll find that you're always moving because times change, philosophy changes, your thoughts change as, as the longer you live and the more interactions you have. You got to remember that at their core, a Bruja is still a philosopher. You know, they're still pushing for change and growth. So, if you're going to play a Bruja, 
that should be one of the core core parts of the character that you're that you're role playing out over the duration of your time playing that character is the growth of that character. You can't play, you know, the 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 thuggish brute start to finish. It, you're going to get bored of it. <laughs> At least yeah. I get. I, I find myself getting bored of playing a character that doesn't grow. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, where do I get my XP and what am I going to spend it on next? But how is your character, the character you're playing, going to mature over the chronicle that you're playing? Yeah. Because you don't want to start at start and end as the same character. Yeah. You're not you're not going to gain get that get a fulfillment out of that. But like, at the end of the chronicle, you want to be you want to look at the character and be like, like fuck yeah, I did something awesome. You know, I I played this character you know, through this whole trajectory. And it, and it really is a very fulfilling thing to do when you're playing a character. And Bruja are probably one of the, one of those few clans that you can do that within a chronicle because they are capable of, of changing at that pace. You don't have to be, you know, Oh, you know, my, you know, a Bruja can mature over, over a short period of time, whereas a lot of other clans, that maturing might happen, you know, over a hundred years. And obviously, like, we're never going to get a chance to play that um, unless you're you're playing, a, you know, you know your, your chronicle is changing time periods over over the course of the chronicle or something. Yeah, right. That's great insight, Corey. That's man. I, I couldn't say it better. I mean, that was that's and that's definitely one of the reasons why I think. You know, like you said, Bruja is one of the few clans that actually has a like progression built in that totally. on a cursory, you know, reading, you're not going to really pick up on that, which, again, is why we're here to help, you know, deep dive into this. So we, you know, it'll deepen your uh, your role play. OK, so, so was <laughs> transition. transition. Yeah. Okay, so with that, you've got the split along those philosophical lines, iconoclast, idealist, but another hallmark of the Bruja clan that is that is many people, many you know characters know about is they they can unite against a common cause. I mean, God help you if you're an outsider coming in, starting bad mouthing one Bruja. Next thing you know, you've got the whole clan on your back. Yeah. yeah, you don't get to pick on on a stupid cousin because that's right. our stupid cousin, and no one right. gets to pick on a stupid cousin that, except us. Except us, exactly. It's it's like the the dynamics within the clan are very much like a familial type of dynamic where like I hate my brother, but if anybody talks shit to my brother, I'm gonna ba- I'm gonna I'm gonna step in there and I'm gonna back him up. Absolutely, and they're. Yeah. Uh, how the clan functions, they, you know, they they bicker and fight like siblings the whole time, right? But then they're always they're there to kind of back each other up, and that's even probably even more so. In, in it, it gets even more amplified when you look at things like playing in a Sabbat game where you're playing an anti-trib, where there's Valderie on top of that. So, but we're not going to dig in. No, 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 yeah. no Sabbat this time. No, no, no Sabbatis. No Sabbatis. But that's you know you kind of hit the nail on the head though about. That familial bond. Uh, the Bruja are also another one of those clans that have built-in traditions separate from, say, the Camarilla. They have two in particular. They have the rant and the rave. Yeah, so rants are informal gatherings, essentially. They're the... Family meeting. It's family dinner. It's Sunday family, family dinner. It <laughs> is, it's the Bruja version of a salon, you know? So anyone can come to these, be they kindred, 
sometimes even kind, sometimes even mortals. You know, anyone, even non-Camarilla Bruja, like Bruja Antitribu or Anarch Bruja are welcome to these events. Yep. And they're, they can come and they can share their opinions. All you needed to be able to do is to be able to scream louder than the other person. <laughs> What are you talking about, Jed? I don't understand what you're talking about. You don't need it. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> pass the goddamn potatoes and shut oh, up. I'm not with you. You pass the potatoes, potatoes to me. I thought we were ta- using the talking bone. <laughs> I don't recognize any talking bone at this Bruja but, family but dinner. I've, just been, I've been sitting there here holding no this damn fun. bone the whole time. God. <laughs> There's definitely no conch at a rant. It's whoever can, whoever can scream the loudest is going to get the right. attention. And now that the next one is the raves, which is exactly what it sounds like. It it was inspired by raver culture, and it's an underground social <laughs> party. It's it's usually where you find the anti-establishment brujas hanging out. But I mean, if you're a bruja, you can go and just cut loose. Think about yeah. the think about the the party that was in the Matrix. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. You know what talking about that yeah. that uh that like hedonistic drum powered party, but it's a way for like for the bruja to like let loose in an in a non judgmental fashion. It it would be the same as like a mosh pit at a punk rock show. A mosh pit could be just as much of a rave as anything else, where it's a safe place for bruja to cut loose and chill out and like let go of some of whatever it is that they're dealing with and, and let their passions run free first for whatever short period of time that they're going to do it for. And it's like, it's like therapy for Bruja. Right. Yeah. These, these (laughs) definitely help bring, keep people together. The rant and the rave are both therapy for Bruja. This is how Bruja does therapy. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like the rave is what you go to after you've been to the rants. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's like, okay, we yelled and we fought and we screamed at each other. Now we're going to reconnect again in a hedonistic sort of fashion. <laughs> rant in the rave. <laughs> rant yep, in the, the rave. Rant in the rave. So, as, Car- as Corey mentioned earlier, the Bruja have a particular combination of disciplines that fit them very, very well. do they're, they, they are, are so dope. much fun. They're so much. They're so dope. Um, but yeah. the Bruja are strong, charismatic, and smart vampires, and because of that, the disciplines that they, the discipline combination they have, reflects that. Now, these three disciplines in and of themselves are not exclusive to the Bruja. These are actually three of the most common disciplines amongst the vampire clans, but none of them have them in the combination. That clan Bruja does, and it's particularly effective for them. Like Corey said, uh, he started off with, uh, we have Celerity. Now, that's, you know, typically super speed. I mean, the Toreador have it, too. And it's rumored in ancient times that the Bruja could move so fast that they could warp time. But that's just that's just legend and myth. We, that's not, there's there's no Bruja out there that's that can't warp shit. time. That's just, that's just. They can do no. that? That's just. That that's we'll just, just we'll refer to those as the true bruja, and we'll just leave it there. <laughs> oh. let's, let's 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 someday let's we... that that's a mythical that's a mythical subculture that yes that's like so, unicorns and shit. That's the yeah unicorns and shit. Someday we'll discuss. <laughs> you myth. That's right. 
true. We can have uh, the, uh, the, 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 the lost to the time, you know, mists of time episode. Yeah. Yes. Right. Time. Oh, God. I did yes. not mean for that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Celerity is uh, the ability to move super fast. Potence is being, is the ability to have super strength. So you can uh, like be like Hulk and smash things. You can punch through a wall. You can throw. You can throw a rock and it acts like a bullet. You know, it's potence in particular when combined with celerity is nasty as fuck. Totally. And if you think about the Greeks, like it makes total sense. Like the Olympians are seeking to c- gain complete control over their over their physical bu- being and they do it through these olympic feats like running as fast as they can riding chariots and and throwing, and throwing discus and, yeah exactly these are all these are all feats that that are that are that are mastering your own physical being and and Bruhar, are one of the lucky clans that has both of them together and it's yeah. they're it's stupid effective what they can do um, it's, together. It's sick. It's sick as hell. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you don't always get the chance to role play these two, these two particular disciplines in a lot of game settings. You don't always get the opportunity to necessarily role play them. Like in a Camarilla game, how many, how frequently are you really going to be going into battle in game? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen that often, but you can role play these disciplines in how your character holds themselves, in the way that they walk, in the way that they move, in the way that they speak. Like they're gonna they're gonna use their physical being to dominate and control the, the people that are around them. And so you can role play the the core nature of these disciplines. Even if you're not necessarily using them in a in a traditional like game setting, you know what I mean. Like sometimes you sometimes you might have the chance to do it, you know. Sometimes you could use a little celerity and nobody knows. Sometimes you could use a little potence when you're shaking someone's hand, you know, just to kind of like assert control um, and kind of show them who's boss. But they're really they're very very powerful. But you know you can there's a way that you can role play these disciplines where you're not actually necessarily using them and you know flexing them um, in game but you but you they affect how your character behaves and how they hold themselves so and on top of that beyond the the two physical dip- disciplines of celerity and potence yeah in, in terms of role playing you also have presence the totally. bruja- the Bruja are charismatic vampires. They have charisma to spare. And presence is how they channel that. So they're creatures of passion. And they channel that passion into the swaying of other people to their belief system. You know, whether it is stirring up the masses to go fight, right. you go storm the castle and fight the baddies, or getting a group of people to back your political movement in court. They presence is is a tool they use to be able to manipulate people emotionally in those ways and then add that to their two physical disciplines any camera it like if you're doing a camera larp those all three of those can make for a very powerful charismatic character that you're role-playing yeah you martin luther king i would say is a bruja 
Yeah, Malcolm like, X too. <laughs> Malcolm X was a bruja, exactly. Yeah. Malcolm X probably flexed more of the physical aspect. You know, you know the Black Panther Party. Those are those were bruja. You know, uh, uh, Marx is, is was a bruja. You know what I mean? Like those are those are your enigmatic leaders, idealistic leaders. That's where the, that's where this this the presence plays the, that role. That charismatic leader. The, the guy that's going to that's going to, you know, the union leader that's going to stand up at the at the union meeting and it's going to rally the rally the, the other workers into going on strike. That's the type of charisma that a bruja would have. Yes. And that's where presence come, becomes very important for them, because right. whereas another clan, like, say, the Toreador, who also have presence, they would use it to dazzle you or to seduce exactly. you or lure you in. The Bruja are using it to help bring you along with on the what, journey. Well, on their journey, on their on what they are trying to espouse. And granted, not every Bruja is going to be the same. So some Bruja are going to be super great at say celerity and or presence and not or celerity and potence, excuse me, and not necessarily at presence. But for right. those Bruja who are those very charismatic Bruja, I mean this all this together makes them very formidable and powerful individuals. Yeah, Jeremy McNeil found, you know, as one of the founders of the Anarch Free States and, and really pushing that movement, he was a charismatic leader that led these other these other uh, kindred into fighting against the system and, and establishing the Anarch Free States. Um, and it took a judicious amount of presence in order to be able to do that. But how a Bruja uses presence is different than how a Torador uses presence or how a Venture uses presence. And it's yeah. important to remember that when you're playing these different clans is that there are there's going to be little nuances between how these disciplines play out between the different clans. And you should be thinking about that in your, in your head as you're role-playing this stuff out. Is yeah. how would this character be utilizing his disciplines? Um, because the discipline is just the power, but how it manifests itself is going to be is going to differ by by clan and by and by archetype and by player. Um, and it's important to think about those as you're playing as you're role playing these 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 aspects of the character. Because, like I said before, you're not always going to get a chance to you even presence. You're, you might go months and months of playing without ever using any of your disciplines. But it should always be impacting how you play your character. Absolutely. Yeah, good player. Exactly. So as you were saying, you know, with presence and how it draws people in, you can probably guess the Bruja are, you know, being charismatic as they are, they do tend to have closer relationships with humans than many other clans do. Right. Like you said about the, like the gang leader or an organized crime, Uh, you talked about... Martin Luther King, the union leader, they also lead the the protesting movements against an establishment or intellectuals or scholars from say, I don't know, the uh, the rogue professor at some college, you know, trying to like I knew right. I knew many a professor that probably was secretly a bra. See, there you go. Right. They yeah, they're exactly. they're constantly in the company of humans. And as a character, 
you know, keeping in keeping in mind that a lot of their influences are probably heavily reliant on humans. Yeah. So Bruja are one of those clans in the Camarilla that you're going to find they're going to be very influence heavy and they're going to have influences in the mortal world. So Bruja, because they're so anti-establishment a lot of the time, their influences tend to reflect that. So you'll find them, they have a lot of underworld influences because they're involved in things like gangs or shady cops or the shady side of unions or, um, you know, the mob. Bruja tend to kind of run on that seedier side of mortal influence because usually that group is the one working against the establishment. Well, but there's also the intellectual side that also would use elite influence, like that professor or the union leader that's on the up and up. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a lot of fun to play a bruja that is not totally dialed into the stereotypes. Yeah. And so you can, you can, you know, yes, absolutely, there's going to be bruja out there that are like hardcore gang leaders that are at the street level that are have all the underworld influence. But having a little bit of elite influence to help help things move along, or even I think it's super sexy to see a bruja with a with a ton of elite influence, um, really playing the influence game against the Ventru, against the Torador, um, and 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 kind of being sneaky and backhanded about it because it's not it's like a sleeper, it's unexpected. Um, you know, nobody's going to ex- expect that the Bruja is going to be the one that's that's really controlling these types of influences. And because all the influence movements are all they all they they tend to be secretive, it's a lot of fun to to play into those um to those stereotypes and then and then on the backside be be doing all kinds of other kind of wicked stuff. It's fun. Don't don't be don't be afraid of go, of going outside of the the stereotypes to have a little get a little creative with your character. Yeah, I find like the Bruja who don't fit the norms are the ones who are the most fun, and they also cause the most trouble, which is totally which is equal to fun in Vampire. Yeah. So trouble is fun. <laughs> but you know, as you said, Bruja can be those influence mongers if they and often they're the sleeper ones because everyone exactly. expects it out of the Venture of the Toreador, but very rarely out of the Bruja. Bruja also tend to have a lot of allies and contacts, and that is because they're, they work so much on that level with humans. Bruja tend to have more direct contact with humans than often like the Venture do, because the Venture tend to work through like ghouls and retainers. Bruja, not as much. So you'll find that they'll often they'll often be one of those clans that have ties into the mortal world that other clans don't, and that gives them a leg up in a big way. And that is the end of part one of Clan Bruja here at Podcast by Night. Please be sure to join us next week when we conclude our coverage of the clan. And if you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us, you can do that at podcastbynight at gmail.com. <laughs>